Now, my original brief was to speak to why we do, there's two particular, it's slightly, as I understood it, and slightly uh, perhaps uh, different to what Cathy had said, it was the two, Scott had picked up the two questions we ask at every staff meeting and why we do that. So, so that was my memory of it, so sorry, Cathy. Uh, in fact, it's three, so I, I thought, uh, gee, it's not a really sexy topic talking about staff meetings, but here we go. It is important because the reason why we gather in staff meetings, I mean, what is the purpose? I don't know if you have given any thought, but it, amongst other things, the, probably the key thing is about making sure that all staff members, department heads, passes are aligned in terms of vision, mission, values, strategy, that you're on the same boat going in the same direction. And so um, it, it, with that being the case, let me just kind of describe what a staff meeting looks for us. Uh, it's, it's two hours, Monday from 11 to 1, then we have lunch. It, goes, it starts with uh, we sing, we uh, do the Bible for about half an hour, then the next half hour we pray and sh- uh, share and pray. The sharing has two questions to it. One is um, uh, a challenge and what is, one is a celebration where we hear celebration stories because vision rides on stories. Don't forget that. Uh, then we have a five-minute break uh, and, uh, and our Nazi executive pastor, who's such a dear man, keeps us on track. When I used to run it, it was an unbroken stream of consciousness that went for four hours, and apparently it wasn't edifying. <laughs> so uh, dear Bruce brings us back into line, and uh, sometimes we break the rule and go for eight minutes. Uh, and then the second half of that is where we have the three standard questions that I'll speak about, and then we do kind of main business in terms of uh, either a strategic issue, uh, which is a long-term issue, a tactical issue, which is short-term, or some training. And for training, we sometimes pull someone from the outside uh, to help us on some issue or someone from the inside, and then we go off to lunch. So that's the rough structure. So I'm just going to hone in on three questions we ask that really takes no more than about six minutes to go through. Um, uh, And that is, firstly, now I'm not saying, can I say you've got to tweak this depending on your size. A lot of this stuff, I think, happens organically when you're small and when it was just Sandy and I and... uh, but, but so much of it, the, the, kind of the, the bigger you get, the more kind of structured you get. You can actually forget to do core business uh, and, uh, in, in the process uh, of uh, running a staff meeting, or at least being reminded of the, of, of the vision of why you operate. And so the first question is very simple, uh, and it's this. Uh, who's become a Christian this week? Uh, it's not very profound, but it's telling us our vision is to see lives transformed through Jesus Christ to the glory of God. And you can do so many tactical and strategic issues that you actually forget this is what it's all about, moving people from death to life and having uh, those people record. Now, when I say um, who became a Christian, I'm not just talking about adults. We've been reminded from Sandy, it's children, teenagers and adults. They're not the future of the church, they are the church and we're interested in celebrating them moving from death to life, whether they're six or whether they're 60. So that gets named and recorded. Our mission pastor takes that down because he's got his own God-desired outcomes. Uh, uh, they used to be goals, but it sounded too Arminian. So um, since, God, since God is the one who gives life and is the determiner who gets saved. But you know, he's, he set himself the goal of, uh, of asking God and uh, of having a God-desired outcome of uh, 100 people in a year. Uh, and so we record that and we celebrate that in prayer. Now, we don't tell stories. Um, Nazi Bruce won't let us do that because we don't have time, and he's right because that place was actually in the first half of the uh, of the, uh, um, the the first hour where we tell our stories of celebration because uh, we do like to do that, and it's run, it is the most exciting thing hearing how people have come to faith and hearing about uh, joys in various people's ministries. 
Now, that's the first question. Now, that really underlies an expectation or rather a value. And the value is this. We expect people to be saved. Um, now, it, you know, I understand when we're smaller, the, ex- the, the fulfilment of that expectation is sort of takes sometimes, you know, it's a longer time between drinks, so to speak. But the reality is it's, it's a core value that we approach mission optimistically. It's the reason why the next question, who should we be inviting to our outreach course, explaining Christianity course, is the second question, because we want to actually be involved as a staff, encouraging each other to gather those conversations we've had during the week and on Sunday, and making sure we don't forget that person I spoke to, Louise, uh, she's 18, and uh, well, I don't think she gets the gospel. We get her name down to make sure that when it's time for our, what we call explaining Christianity course... Uh, Dave, our mission pastor, notes down all those names that he hears. And again, we're just dropping names really quickly. And then he's got this pool from which to draw from. Now, we've got a staff of up to 17. So you've got a large pool of conversations that can be had. So it's said quickly, but you gather them and you don't forget them so that when it comes time to inviting to the course. Now, both of those questions underlie the value that we do mission optimistically. Why do we do that? Um, you know, there's lots of places why I think, you know, it's not the power of positive thinking. It's not my faith is going to actually save a soul um, and move a person from death to life. But I think the Bible expects us to approach mission optimistically. And, you know, you can go to lots of parts of the Bible for it. But I reckon the one that's often missed is in the back end of Acts. Jesus has died, risen, uh, sit at the right hand of the Father, enthroned, pours out his spirit, empowers the witnesses to proclaim the gospel that Jesus is Lord, that there's no other name under heaven by which a person is saved. That message goes from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria to the ends of the earth. And you get to Acts 28, uh, when, of course, the highlight of Acts, where Paul lands on the island of Malta. That's exactly right. And <laughs> a little bit gratuitous, but I can't help it. And uh, where they showed unusual kindness. That's another interesting exegetical comment. But let's move it on. And then, uh, sorry about that. I, I always make that joke. It's pathetic, really. Anyway, we get to Rome and Paul is under house arrest. The Jews come. Uh, Paul tries to persuade them that Jesus is the Messiah. They don't want a bar of it except for a few. Uh, uh, Paul issues the judgment of Isaiah 6. And the trajectory that runs right through from the 8th century BC prophet uh, to, uh, to the Jews' rejection, forever hearing but never perceiving. And then he says this, I want you to know that the good news, the, the message of salvation will be sent to the Gentiles. Now here are the big four words. And they will listen. Now that for me is the framework. You know, understand the theological time frame in which you live. We live in the era of reaping. Now, I understand providentially sometimes there's more reaping than sowing. Some ages, some countries, you know, it's clear that the Chinese are God's favourites at the moment. <laughs> Iranians too. Africans used to be. I don't know what's going on there. But, I, there's God. <laughs> but at the end of the day, this is the framework we live in. We live in the age of reaping. And so they will listen. So I am kind of, and, and it kind of picks up on what Sandy said about what you expect you'll do. So it's about approaching mission optimistically, hence the questions. Not if, but has anyone become a Christian in the last, uh, in the last week? Uh, so there's that expectation. Now, I know smaller group, you do that every week, it can be kind of discouraging, you know. So uh, you've got to tweak how that looks. So, you know, what was the last gospel conversation you had? You know, you tweak it to the size that you think is appropriate. All I'm saying is let that value um, percolate into a question that keeps mission in your staff meetings. That's really what I'm trying to say to you. 
Let that biblical truth, that expectation that they will listen. This is the era of Gentile inclusion. So go for it, brothers and sisters. And then ask questions that invites that expectation. And of course, when things aren't happening, of course, which of course, you know, there's times of reaping, times of sowing. And it kind of forces the question, gee, what are we doing? What aren't we doing that's getting in the way of the cause of Christ? Now, that, those sort of questions can actually happen if you're in the purpose model, you know, in your mission, uh, obviously your, your, your mission, purpose, uh, your mission uh, purpose meetings, your focus team. So I'm not saying it's tough, but it's somehow healthy for us as a staff to be doing talking evangelism and hearing of people getting saved. It kind of says, this is what it's all about. Um, because uh, someone said, I was actually in South Africa, and there was a, a pastor by the name of Rat, it's his nickname, but... It was very hard to address him every time I... Rat. His name is Michelle. He's from a French background, but they call him Rat. And he said this, and it really stuck in my mind. He said, our problem, Ray, is... And he's talking about, I think, evangelical churches, is that we believe in a God who can, but probably won't. When he said that, I thought he'd just split open the heart of so many of our churches. We believe in a God who can, because we're reformed evangelicals. The God who predestined will bring... Uh, people to glory, right? We have no doubt about that. We know the gospel's powerful to save. We believe in a God who can, but we function like he probably won't. And that's the issue we've got to tackle. And those two questions are really trying to speak to that. I'm running out of time. The third question is leadership, because God will give you the growth, but unless you're raising up leaders, they're going to go. And so being in the western suburbs of Sydney, the real challenge for us is people who aren't naturally used to um, Leading teams, you know, taking that step up the leadership pipeline. And so for us, we're, we're constantly, and even the staff themselves, I'm forever trying to get them and myself to work at a higher level uh, and to move from ministers to equippers and enablers. So the third question is, who ought we to consider for leadership? And, and it, it can be early on in the process. Um, it can be a 16-year-old who's demonstrated some gifts that you think, you know, I think this guy, this girl, she, she actually may be a future leader. So that's obviously happening within ministry teams, but it's actually good for us as a staff to be doing it. Those names are collected. Dan Lee, who's here, our ministry pastor, he'll collect those names. And so several things can happen with that. He'll collect them, and when it comes time to... Uh, when we, we do our growth groups, our small groups, uh, we, we turn them over at mid-year. And so we have uh, a, a number of leadership groups that have a curriculum for 12 months. So as we consider people for that group, the, the answers, those names that have been collected over 12 months, which you can easily forget, uh, forget are actually brought into consideration when we think about that leadership uh, uh, 12-month course. The other thing, too, is when we're thinking about uh, Year 13, uh, um, MTS, and other kind of strategies of helping people take a leadership, moving from serving to running teams. We run two team-building workshops a year. They become really helpful to equip people to know how to run a team, cast vision, give feedback, all those kind of details that unless you're used to leading teams, you just don't know. And uh, they also, those names that we collect from those questions about who ought we to consider leadership also funnel into that training time. So we believe in a God who can and probably will. And by the grace of God, let's keep putting these things on the agenda, whichever question you want. Because we want to see people, have, we want to see lives transform through Jesus Christ to the glory of God. Thanks, guys.